is up, everyone. Welcome to episode one million of the Manuscrewed Podcast. I am Tangent. With me, as always, is the Beanie. Hello again, everybody. And, of course, the most hated man in magic, Jack. I've got Troll Shroud and Affinity for haters. My rhymes are going to stick to you like a now and later. So when I hear these other guys pitching like they're mythic rare, I let out a laugh because their shit is just dead air. But don't touch that dial just yet or I'm going to creep on you like a Phyrexian blood pet. Listen to Tangent, Roberto, and me and get the best in podcasting times three. Ladies and gentlemen, it is great to be back. As uh, as always, my, my rap stylings like to compliment the start of the show, so... Guys, it's been a while, and I've been all over the country. It's nice to be back on a familiar cast. Woo-hoo. Well, Woo-hoo. Welcome back, man. The gathering has nothing on that shit. Uh, uh, quite obviously. Suck it, Chapin. Anyways, we, we got another guy on here tonight, though, don't we? Yes, we do. We have a member of the uh, DeadLantern.com world-famous Splattercast, and he came on because he went to the pre-release, and he wants to share some of his... Uh, stories about that and just BS with us, he is Jeff. Hey guys, this is a, this is a huge thrill for me. I'm, I'm sort of acquainted with Tangent through the internet. Uh, as you said, I have a podcast of my own on DeadLantern.com. It's called The Splattercast. And our thing is horror movies. So, I mean, we're not uh, really in the same world as, as MTG, of course, but uh, we all share interests and whatnot, and uh, MTG is one of my big interests. I, I, I love doing it. It's sort of my favorite hobby outside of watching shitty horror movies. Can I curse on you guys' this show? I listen yeah, to this dude, you, no, you we don't curse. care. Oh, fuck, we don't well, <laughs> fuck, man, Excellent. we don't care. Go ahead. All right, it's my favorite shit to do, and so I, I'm really thrilled to having a chance to talk about it. Now, I'm sort of a scrub. I'm, I'm basically a casual player, you know, your FNM type of guy. So I'm not like a, a PTQ grinder by any means, but hopefully I'll have some... I won't sound like a total idiot. Uh, when I try to talk about MTG. And I will say, I, I'm maybe even starstruck here because I love MTG cast, the, the family of podcasts you have. So, you know, I'm familiar with listening to Jack and the Beamy and, and these guys. So this is a thrill for me. And Jack, may I say, your flow is as good, if not better, than Chapin's. I'm not well, even kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you ain't gonna kiss my ass. But seriously, uh, coincidentally, I love bad horror movies. Have you ever heard of a film called Adam Age Vampire? Sure. Oh yeah, it's it's terrible. But yeah, we we'll have much to discuss on this cast, obviously. But let's get the show rolling, guys. Okay, the first question we have tonight is: Do you think a podcast that is popular should go look for some sort of sponsorship? Since we have a host that has a very popular sponsorship. Oh wait a minute, hold on, guys, hold on. We we have a last minute request here. It, could on. this possibly be one of my great allies from over at Horde of Notions? I think it Why? might be one of your allies. Uh, Oh, it's it's Chris the Phyrexian. Oh gosh, yes. brace yourself. So Jack, Chris we're at, if back you, after if, getting no love. Jack, <laughs> if he, if uh, Chris is your ally, what happens on your ally trigger when Chris enters the podcast? I get oh. instantly ten points more. Awesome. But anyways, Chris, what is up? <laughs> when target Chris comes into play, Jack gains plus boner plus boner until end of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well, that goes without saying, Chris. Well, Chris, you just gave away the secret of where I was this weekend. I wasn't seeing Adina. I was seeing this hunk of man, clearly. <laughs> Uh-oh, sneaking up on you in the shower. <laughs> How did we let Jack across the border? That's my question. <laughs> uh, you're, you're assuming that I didn't meet him somewhere. Oh, okay, okay. All right, well. I, I'm, 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 Robert, Robert, I make the women come to me, not the other way around, buddy. <laughs> wow. 
Shut up, bitch. <laughs> the original question was, should a popular podcast go out and look for sponsorship? Some sort of sponsorship. And since we have someone, like I said before, that has a very popular podcast, have you gone out and looked for sp- sponsorship there, sir? Ah, I was like, very popular podcast. Who, who are you talking about? Okay. You. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's it's funny you mention this because in the horror podcasting community, I mean, like, uh, I can tell that like the MTG podcasting community is is definitely a community, and you guys, you know, you talk to each other, you pop on each other's shows and whatnot. So we have a similar thing in the in the horror podcasting community, uh, as strange as it may seem. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's been an issue actually of late. People a lot of discussions about uh, you know selling out is the the dreaded accusation and and whatnot. But uh, at DeadLantern.com, we basically fall down on the side of Hey man, if you find some way to, I mean, you know, I understand if someone was going to be really, really obnoxious about it, like your show doesn't start until you play seven minutes of ads from, you know, join the Navy or something like that. I, I can understand how people would sort of res- resist that, but in my opinion, you know, if you have a product that is worthwhile, your your podcast is an entertainment product and it's worthwhile, and you can find some way to monetize it, or you know, hosting isn't free. Yeah, website hosting and whatnot. If you can find a way to recoup your costs and just sort of make it worth your while, I am 100% in favor of that. I think everyone's uh, entitled to to go out there and try and try and achieve things like that. I, I think that's that's fine. I do understand there are people out there who sort of really resist it. They have this sort of you know indie punk rock DIY mentality where they feel like it's it's really, really negative if you do that, but I certainly don't have any problem with it at all. So, Jeff, what you're saying is it's all about the money. Yes, that's, all, all, that's all a long way of saying. It's a long way of saying get that paper stack. Originally, Tangent, I thought it was all about the ladies. No, no, no. See, this, we're, podcasting is just like dealing cocaine, Robert. As a rapper, I would know. See, you get the money, and then you get the power, and then you get the women. Yes, yes. When yes, does the yes. blow come in there? <laughs> well, I mean, Chris is on, so maybe he can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so check this out. This is what I have to say about that real quick, Robert, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the a.k.a. Roberto. Yes. Uh, so to me, I think that, that the alternative is there are podcasts out there that actually cost a couple bucks to download to, you know, or to subscribe to, like, five bucks a month and you can listen to. And there are people that do that. I think I think no one should really begrudge you trying to make money. I'd much rather see it go, see you go about it by getting a sponsor than by charging people to download. I think the key to podcast, even to those people that that are trying to be you know the the tipsters and keep it keep it real and keep it free. I mean, okay, make money off of it. Don't consider it to be selling out if someone wants to make money off something that they put their hard work into. As long as you keep the podcast. I think that's a great point. And I think, uh, you know, one really great happy medium that almost no one ever has any problem with is if you sell, you know, a T-shirt or a koozie or something like that. If you can come up with some sort of merch line or something like that, that's a really easy way if you feel like... Yeah, (laughs) a shitty, shitty movie, and then you just trick people into buying it, yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, as the host of an, a tremendously wildly popular young upcoming podcast, uh, something like uh, Horde, Whores of Nations or something, I think, um, <laughs> I can tell you that, that nothing in, in this world except MTGcast is free. And yeah. I don't think the question is, should you look for sponsorship? The question is, why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. if you look at people like Limited Resources just got sponsored, 
at no point do I listen to their podcast and think, man, these guys are just too busy whoring. I'm not getting any information. It doesn't change the quality of the cast. In fact, if anything, in their situation, it's helped it immensely because they're able to offer deals from their sponsors to their listeners. Those are kind of the first whores in motion, if you think about it. You, you forget <laughs> the OMTG Taps. They were the first oh, ones. Oh, here's the right. Well, no, well, no, 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 no. Guys, Yo NTG Taps just found the biggest sugar daddy on the list. That's all they did. Well, it's sort of, it, in the in the MTG realm, it's sort of interesting to even can talk about this in terms of podcasting because there is a certain, and I'm not dissing any anybody by any means, you know, I think content has value, but there's a certain prominent Magic the Gathering news website that charges for the premium content. I mean, this shouldn't be a foreign notion to people in the Magic community at this point. But amen. Uh, amen to that, brother. Well, something you can actually compare this to is... Uh, like web comics. I mean, that's another avenue that, yeah, there's a lot of people doing it, and yeah, it's it's very easy to get into, but it does cost money to, and just not just money, guys. Think of it like this: it costs time, and so if you have sponsorship, there's a little bit more of an incentive to get off your ass and get to the mic every day, or get to the drawing table, or whatever your medium is. I don't see how there's anything wrong with getting sponsorship, especially if it keeps the podcast going. And I mean, it's you know we make no qualms about it over at Monday Night Magic. Like the sponsors are really what keep the site running. So like, there's nothing wrong with seeking out stuff. I mean, yeah, if you want to be ultra hardcore and be like, yeah, we're free, blah blah blah. No, that's cool, dude. That's awesome. But eventually, the money's going to become an issue, whether you want to admit it or not. And there's nothing wrong with taking a little bit of quote unquote the man's money. Awesome. Well, let's move on. Well, I know Roberto's got a laundry list for us. Yes, I do. How'd your pre-release go? Who had a pre-release, first of all? I did, certainly. How'd you do? I did okay. I did, uh, I went five, now we have a, uh, here, I live in Lincoln, Nebraska, which uh-huh. is not a huge city, but I mean, it's a, it's a large enough city that we have, you know, different options for playing MTG. And uh, we have a midnight pre-release on Friday at, at midnight, so, you know, Saturday at 12 a.m. And, the and then uh, you can go and do events all day Saturday and Sunday if, if you're so inclined. My, my sort of personal tradition is, because pre-releases are my favorite thing to do, you know, the level of player I am, I'm not out doing really hardcore competitive stuff, so a pre-release is the perfect perfect environment for me. I, I really enjoy it. So I always make a point to go to the midnight one, and I try to soldier on and play another flight at like 9, nine 10 a.m. So <laughs> it's pretty insane, but I, I went to the midnight one, and I went uh, seven rounds of Swiss. I went 5-2 and got like 11th place, won a few packs. It, it was a good time. Yeah, what'd you put? Uh, I had a pretty decent pool. I had, uh, out of my Scars packs, I had a Horde Smelter Dragon. I mean, must be nice, right? So that, that's a pretty serious card in Limited. And then I had a yeah. ton of remo- I had a ton of removal. I had a scrap melter, a shatter, a galvanic glass. I had the the new three direct damage uh, for three. Uh, I don't know what it was. It's like a three damage and then proliferate. And then in white I had like yeah volt charge. I had a volt charge. In white I had an arrest and a revoke existence. And then I even splashed for a little bit of green like uh, the acerweb spider and a uh, silvok replica stuff like that. So I just had like infinite removal in this deck. And then the Horde Smelter Dragon. So I, I did pretty well. The, the two times I lost, I, I don't really even have a bad beat story because I lost to good players who had even crazier pools than I did. I mean, this one guy's pool, uh, I, I, if I have to grumble about a bad beat, here it is. This guy had in his pool, he had Worm Coil Engine, Mirror Battlesphere, Sword of War and Peace, and the, the Red White Legendary Creature that's like a 5-4 first strike. Nice. It was just, it, it was just nuts. I mean, there was, no, wow. no, way I was no way I was coming out of that one, but... Uh, Infibomb.deck. 
Yeah, and then I guess – so I, I had a good time. I felt like I, pl- I played pretty well, and it's fun. I love these midnight things because it's the middle of the night, and you're, everyone's just sort of a little loopy. I mean, it, it's just a fun environment. Cards that I felt were interesting, I also had in my pool, I had Chancellor of the Forge, uh, a foil one even, which is this uh, – it's a 5-5 five, five for 7, so it's pretty expensive, and it's like triple red and 4. Uh, he's a 5-5 five, five beast, and when he comes into play – you get goblin tokens with, with haste for the X is the number of creatures you control. But he's got this Chancellor ability where uh, if he's in your opening hand, you can reveal him. And then if you do that, you get a 1-1 goblin token with haste. And it was really interesting because I had no mana acceleration. This is a 7-drop. And he doesn't just like win you the board when you play him like, like certain other giant bombs and limited and stuff. So I, But what's interesting is when I'd have him in my opening hand, he's the 7-drop and I have no acceleration. I always, always wanted to keep him because I was so enticed by that Chancellor ability of getting the, the free token. And so I'd keep really, really sketchy hands with this stupid 7-drop. But interestingly enough, any game, I'm, I'm trying to think back, any game where I did the, the ability where you reveal them in your opening hand, I always think I won won those games. So, I mean, it's pretty interesting how, how much that counted. And then the other interesting thing about that card is that people always forgot that you had him. When you finally got up to 7 mana and you dropped him, they're like, wait a second, what what the hell is that? Well, I showed you this before we started turn one. It, it, it was really interesting. So he was a fun card to play. I mean, I don't know if he... I don't think he probably works in Constructed as a 7-drop in, in the world of, of Titans and, and other things, costing a little bit less. But he was a fun card to play in Limited. And then the other card I had that was sort of interesting, I never cast it, but I often had it in my hand, and it, it, it gave me the warm fuzzies. It made, made me feel secure. It was uh, Exclusion Ritual, which is just like a, a big, fat, double-costed O-ring, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's four and two white, and it's, you know, exile, non-land permanent. I guess the upside is that if you manage to destroy that, destroy that enchantment, uh, they don't get their permanent back. But like, I would, I never uh. cast it, but I would, I would side it in. I didn't start it. And so I'd have that sitting in my hand, and I'd have the, the six mana out. So I'm like, okay, go ahead and play the dragon, play the, the whatever you got, because I'm gonna do this, and it's, it's probably a pretty effective piece of removal. I mean, it exiles the thing. It's not even, I mean, they can't even like trick you and get it back with the, with the griffin or something like that. So I had a great time with the midnight one. I got a couple packs. I got a, uh, a, a batter skull in my prize packs, which, which felt, felt wow, pretty good. Nice. Yeah, and nice. then, and then, so I go and have some pancakes at the village inn and come back for the for the next one. And traditionally, I've done pretty okay in the in the second round, but th- this time I don't know what I was thinking. I ended up trying to build this four color infect thing because I had a bunch of mutagenic growths, the uh, the sort of two two giant growth for green Phyrexian, so you can play it for free, so to speak. Uh, and I had like two of the five five blue infect creature. I, I thought I was going to do something really cute, and then uh, I didn't. Uh, I lost the first round, and then uh, I had been awake for like 30 hours at that point, right? So it, my will to live just sapped out of me. I could just feel the color drain from my face. I was like, I'm going home, going to bed. Usually I stick around because I just I enjoy playing so much. Uh, even if I'm losing, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be perfectly happy to go two two or three three two in a, in an event and just go home. But I was like, no, I'm done. So I picked up my little promo foil and, and went home and took a nap. But I love the pre-lease. So, uh, it's my favorite thing to do, so I had a pretty positive time at this one. Cool. That's awesome, man. And you just flash green and remember to put forests in, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's important. <laughs> yeah. No, I just remember on the, on the Splattercast episode where you, you were playing Moto online, and you're like, man, I, I put green cards in here, but I didn't even put any forests in. That definitely happens. Like, 
That's a true story. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, anyone else? I know I went to a pre-release. That's about the end of that story. Did anyone else go to a pre-release? What do you mean that's the end of that story? <laughs> okay, well, I opened, like, literally, I had everyone around me that I know at the store that I went to, and uh, everyone was just like, oh, man, that's, that's just bad, dude. That's, it happens. that's really, really bad. So I... Uh, I went there and I put, I literally, like, my PS guy, my PS guy, period, was 3-3, right? I mean, that's not even true. My PS guy was 0-3 that gained plus 3, plus 0 until the end of term when he attacked. So I played, I played that my, guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's fine, but I mean, that's my biggest dude. He didn't limit it. You know, that's just not very good. And then, so... I, but I did pull together, like, so, a bunch of mirrors and, and I had one, uh, of the, uh, what, whatever the damn thing is, the pumps to artifact creatures plus two plus two. And, oh, uh, yeah. and, uh, so anyway, I ended up, uh, getting a bunch of, of creatures and, like, literally won the match, the first match I played by the skin of my teeth. And I just, I just looked at the guy and I go, fear the mirror. And then I got up and walked away and, uh, <laughs> and dropped. So that was the end of it. Nice. Yeah, that's the end of my, Tangent, of my time. I did. I had garbage. What was that? Tangent inspiring fear with his uh, one-liners since 2011. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's all. That's all I could do, man. I, my one-liners were the only thing that worked for me that day. So. Chris, did you go? I was uh, on a plane traversing this fine country of Canada. So oh, that's right. No. <laughs> and we know Jack didn't go because Jack was off wherever he was. Lost traversing Adina. I went. My my deck was a little interesting. It was mostly. I would say I had infect. It was green black. It had some infect in there. Not really. Yeah. But uh, ironically, two of my matches I won by forcing my opponent to hit this, which was according to one. I believe. I believe it was when LSV and Chapin were talking about it that this Caressa Phyrexia, which is target player draws three cards, loses three life, and gets three poison counters, is a full oh, yeah. card. Well, twice I played it on my opponents to win matches. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, this kid, this kid played that card and uh, he targeted me. And remember, this was like 3 a.m. or something. I'm like targeting me, and he's like, yeah. And so I draw my three cards. I'm like, I'm stoked, right? Because th- thanks for the three free cards. I was nowhere near being poisoned, and then, and then I, I, he like ends his turn. And I go to my next uh, step and draw. And I'm like, you targeted me with that, right? Because I got like eight cards in my hand or something. It was great. That's the, the, and then the other way I won, which was really fun, was my other. I guess my mythic was the uh, mind slaver. I mind slaver my opponent, and he's at like 15 life. And I'm like, oh, guess what you have? Red pump spell. A guy who played. Or Smelter Dragon when I had him at three. I'm like, this is not a problem. Oh. No big deal. I got him on the ropes. All I got to do is avoid the Heart Smelter Dragon. No, no. The next turn, he drops True Conviction. Oh, God. Oh. It wins the game every time. Yeah, I hit you for ten and gain ten life. Scoop. So, so Robert, how tightly was your ass clenched after that one? That would have hurt. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm staring at this going... Wow, really? Damn. Because all I was going to do is keep sending waves at him until I just pecked him out. Mm-hmm. You're all like, maybe I can win. Maybe. No, no. He, he's just, 
he just got away with that, and I just stared at him. Well, this is the same guy who's gone to the last four sets of either releases or pre-releases. Is not a really good standard player at all. I mean, the guy's he'll readily admit he's not good at standard, but he's won every one of these pre-releases. Really. Yeah, it's, we got one of those guys too. <laughs> just you shake your head and go, "How does this guy do it?" Yeah, I think uh, I'm I think I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that ends the pre-releases. Let's go to the next one because I really don't want to read that wait. one. Wait, wait, wait. What, what, what is this, Robert? I'm looking at the show notes. What, what is this next question? Is this like, is this a snub for go being ahead. gone last week? Go ahead. No, no, no. This is like passive aggressive here. Read this. Go ahead. Read it. Oh, okay. Okay. If if Jack sets up a time to join your podcast, stiffs it. <laughs> if someone, okay, if someone st- sets up a time on your podcast and stiffs you, what's your opinion on it? I'll tell you what my opinion on it is. Well, I sit back and I ponder why people who are my friends put passive aggressive comments in the show notes, Robert. That's my opinion on it. I, I don't think it's about you there, Jack. To be honest with you, I think what he's referring to is Jack. Oh, okay. I, I was just being wildly egotistical. Uh, Wasn't referring to you. Okay. You know, it's it's podcasting, right? I mean, things come up. People can't make it. They go halfway across the country. Things happen. Okay, enough of your banter. Uh, so <laughs> what I say is this. I say if they do it and then they, are, you know, have some legitimate reason and they apologize and they set up another time, that, of course, can be worked out. They just literally blow you off and don't even, you know, don't even, like, kiss you on the way out the door in the morning, then I would say, you know what, uh, F them. Okay. Or fuck for those people that, that are adults. Okay, good. I, that's that's all I want to know. <laughs> Makes me happier to say that right now. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, who wants to read the next one? Well, hold on, hold on real quick. Just one second. Uh-huh. Uh, Jeff. Like, yeah. as someone that, you know, you've had a lot of people on there. Do you guys have that happen very often where someone just, like, plans to come on and then blows you off? Uh, very, very very seldom. We, we haven't really run into that as an issue, I have to say, which is, I guess, fortunate for us. Okay. Usually it's, like, okay, uh, one, cool. of our own, one of our own internal guys, and it's just because, like, he passed out or something like that, and then we don't, yeah, we don't, yeah. we don't give it to him too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's no big deal when it's just one of us. It's not a big deal. It's like when it's... I think he's referring to when a guest actually makes a plan to be on and sets up a time and just blows you off. But that would anyway, be shitty. Okay, that would be Look. shitty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Roberto. Next question. Who wants to read this one? Even with the sort of fire and ice in existence, it seems like a lot of the deck builders are looking at Monored as viable. Do you think it will work? Do you mean War and Peace or Fire Yeah, uh, War and Peace, I meant. Eh, well, okay. so Fire and Ice. I'm thinking of the other one that's worth $80 on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, shit, that, that one's back? Oh, yeah, War and Peace, that's what I meant. Uh, War and Peace, so mono-red. Uh, I am no, I am no uh, constructed genius uh, by any means. Uh, okay, neither are. am I, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak on this. Yo, 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 let me speak on this. Um, mono-red is always a viable deck in a brand yeah, new Yeah, it's always form. a thing. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of the checks and balances of the whole game, isn't it? It, I mean, any time a new format comes around, especially at the first tournament with that new format, Mono Red is a viable strategy because it's simple. You go herp, derp, tap mountains, burn things, kill things. I mean, and also, if I may interject here for a moment, I, in my opinion, Mono Red is also becoming more resilient over time. 
I mean, it's true, they do have this awesome new pro-red sword, but, I mean, red has infinite ways to kill artifacts, too. I mean, even if you had to run a... a I mean, you run the Manic Vandal or whatever, who's a, a guy stapled to a shatter, but... Yeah, and then you, and then you still got... You still got crush and shatter, so Monterey yeah. is just like I don't even care. Had run a straight up shatter in your in your real type two deck, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, I suppose. I mean, it'd be pretty weird, but yeah. I mean, there's two. There's even two different types of mono red being floated. There's the big red, uh, right. which could quite easily run demolish if it needed to. Um, yeah. There's and then there's the Kuldartha red and goblins and red deck wins and burn deck wins and Patrick Sullivan and so. And I, I just play cold off the red, and I beat everyone. So I'm not saying that I beat everyone every time, but there's nothing that I haven't been able to beat. You know, I, I'm sure it sucks to see core Firewalker, but other than that, I mean, I'm not really scared of a hell of a lot. Well, this is this is what I'm thinking. What decks will run Sword of War and Peace that that Mono Red isn't already terrified of? Uh. Exactly. I mean, Callblade yeah, right. is going to wear it. I mean, come on. And Callblade already runs Firewalker, so... The, the only Zordon, person loses, yeah. Oh, go ahead, man. Sorry. The only person that loses to uh, Mono Red with Callblade is that KYT dude. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Yeah. You better watch your tongue, sir. KYT is going to be the next Supreme Commander if you don't watch it. Well, you know, people keep saying... You guys keep saying that. I think it's awesome. I mean, I love KYT just, you know, like we all do here, but... Are they allowed to be Supreme Commanders in Canada? Well, I mean, they are uh, Canadians, so... <laughs> no offense, Chris. It's all <laughs> I'm, not Canadian. <laughs> I, I'm not Canadian. It's all good. I just live here, man. But I, I, I will say... Yeah, you know, Chuck Norris wears KYT pajamas, right? He does. It's true. Oh, no. no. I learned under him this weekend. Oh wow, that sounds. Never mind. Let's just keep going. <laughs> like, have you ever said something so idiotic that you know as soon as it's coming to your lips, it's going to be bad, and then it just kind of flows out without you. There you go. Well, it sucks when you say it so quickly that I don't even have a chance to react to it. That's the part that bothers me. Yeah. Well, there's a second half to this question. It also looks like the Shrine of Burning Rage is going to make red deck wins over the top. Your opinions on it? I disagree with that sentiment. I don't think it's going to make it over the top. I think it's going to give it a better edge. Um, you may see it be- become an actual quote-unquote competitive deck, and it might start taking a couple of top finishes. But as for it being a over-the-top deck, no. I mean, or, or when you say over-the-top, are you just exaggerating, or are you talking like a call blade level, Robert? Well, talking it maybe Tier 1, because I mean, they're discussing it being that way with that card in the deck. The well, thing that trying to burning rage does is it takes out Firewalker, right? That that's that's the key here. It's never going to be a haha, I kill you because it's too slow yeah. to do anything more than two or three damage. That, it take, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, it, it's going to take out the Firewalker. It's going to be there as a sort of insurance policy against anything with pro red. Okay. I just think that the red will see its share of top eights. I'm not saying that will. Uh, it's not ever going to match. Uh, you know, any of the, the main decks, but it will see it will see its share of top eights for sure at some point. You know what would push Red Dead wins over the top? For Jace the Mind Sculptor. Oh, <laughs> oh boo. Uh, no, no thanks. I don't need any more Jace the Mind Sculptor in my life. I don't need any more headaches like that. Yikes. Okay. We also have, after reviewing the set, it seems like some of the chancellors are going to see play and constructed. 
Is there any way? Where? I don't know, man. Where? I've seen deck lists that have had them in it. I mean, I love that yeah, red one in my sealed but, pool, but man, I don't know. I mean, cost seven. What 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 would I what would I not what would I play him instead? I mean, I'd, I'd rather play an Inferno Titan than that guy. I don't know. I'm just saying uh, these are considered the pros, oh and these are the decks that or, I'm seeing them come up with designing with. Oh, ye of little. All face. right, now Robert, I'm 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 going to give you I've the benefit the green, of the doubt. I've seen the green sure? one. The green one, they're like, okay, play a because you get a free green mana if he's in your opening hand. Uh, get that, drop a turn one fauna shaman, then pitch that guy because you have no intention of of playing it from your hand uh, to go get with your fauna shaman on turn two. So I, it's stuff like that. But man, I don't know. Okay, now Robert, four of all five of them. They say you play four of all five of them. Oh boy! That way, yeah. you're guaranteed to get something in your opening hand. <laughs> guaranteed to get your opening effect. Yeah, that's perfect. It's a great I, idea. I see the Praetor scene play over these guys. Think about yeah, this, dude. You could literally do this, right? You play all four of those. I mean, all five of those, four of them, and then you play all five ley lines, four of them, and then you just run twenty lands. It's perfect. Tangent. <laughs> No, no. What we do is we we run all this garbage and then we run one scuttlebutt and we play Coalition Victory. Bam. Uh huh. Okay. Ye of little faith. What's the blue one? The blue one like mill seven and then you get a free you get to cast a spell when he comes in or something like that. I mean that's a card I think maybe. No, the blue one is not. That's not him, is it? Is that what he does? Yeah, but he's not a thing. That that's not a thing. (laughs) I'll tell you what. That there are two that are a thing. The green one is most definitely a thing. The t- the fauna shaman on turn one is okay. Yes, that's one possible play, but you just have to look at, at the potential of this card in multiples in that green deck. Obviously, the god draw is turn one or turn zero reveal four chancellors. Turn one vengevine. That's that's a god draw. But or you could reveal them all or reveal three of them. Cast lead the stampede. Ditch a whole bunch of vengevines and then next turn go insane. You can cast these things. If you're playing this in an elf deck, seven mana is nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'd just like to point out, they're not legendary. Okay, I wasn't thinking having multiple in your opening hand. I, I guess I wasn't looking at it that way. So, yeah, that, that's a point. So if you, I don't if you think can, you normally will, though, but... It, well, it's possible. If you can cast one of the, of the green chancellor, and you have a green sun zenith, you're going to have the second one out, so you're getting triple mana off each of your forests. Eladamri then becomes... Oh, not Eladamri. Azuri becomes the biggest <laughs> beast this side of the Mississippi. I also think the white one is a card. Seven yeah, mana I, I is can not, see the white one for uh, sure. It's, it's not a big amount for a control deck to pay. And if you are countering their first spell of the game or delaying their first spell by a turn, by which point you have mana leak mana up, that gives the you control know, deck... You've got to have that in his deck, right? I mean, Probably. the mathematician's wet dream deck that he made, he's got to want that in there. <laughs> uh-huh. But, I mean, so the white... And 5-6 flyer that uh, is basically a lodestone golem seems pretty good on its own anyway. Sure, yeah. Our next question was, Cobblade is, getting, is being corrected into, quote, Dark Blade, and now everybody's favorite removal card, Dismember, is going in there. Is Cobblade could become three colored, or will Cobblade stay the standard uh, white blue? Well, I think when you start deviating away from the white blue version, you're going to lose a little 
little bit of consistency, and you're also going to be losing Tectonic Edge, and you're going to be more susceptible to that card, which is a very big deal. But also, I mean, if it does turn into three-color, or uh, if it does turn into three-color, I mean, this has been something that's been coming for a while. Inquisition of Kozilek's power is just too strong in the meta right now, and it would make it extremely versatile if it did gain attention to where it might might even stamp out the original blue-white version entirely. But that's just speculation. I think Dogplate has been tried. And it it didn't last. Uh, Angry Birds has been tried, and it didn't last. Dismember, people are jizzing their pants over Dismember. It costs you four life. You are playing Corblade, which will drop to eight life to stabilize against any aggressive deck out there. It can't afford to play more than one dismember. Now, what if you have a what if you have a batter skull in there and you, and you manage to block a couple times with a instant speed batter skull off a of stone for it, so you gain four and sort of negate the uh, the life paid for a for a dismember with no black in the mana. Insert obligatory Jack comment about spine phallus <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> anybody who's playing against Callblade that does not have a way to either kill the Stoneforge before it starts flashing in batter skulls or get rid of the batter skull when it hits is doing it wrong. <clears throat> Every color can do one of those two things. Realistic, I agree with you, but I would say I would say this. The cop blade's on top for a reason because you can't always do those things when you want to do it. I mean, it's not just that you're necessarily doing it wrong. You may not just not have that option at the time. Uh, I would say this, though, in response to what Jeff said, uh, if they get that off, then you're going to die anyway, so it really doesn't matter what happens. I mean, if you, you, you have to be able to deal with that. If they get a batter skull off and they get a couple swings with it, you probably lost Cobblade. I don't know, is Cobblade one of these things that just, just morphs tournament by tournament? Like, for one tournament, some guy is able to take it down by sticking the black in. Like, one guy is able to stick it, uh, take it down by putting the red in, and then it sort of doesn't work. More than once, maybe? I don't know. Dude, well, I could not do that. It's just the, the top deck, man. Yeah. By far the top deck. Mm-hmm. I could give you an entire show's worth of material on Coldblade, why it's dominating, why it keeps getting tweaked, uh, and I might just have to do that, actually, at some point. But <laughs> I, I can't summarize this into, into less than half an hour's worth of monitor. Of, of me ranting on the state of standard. Say, to put it this way, between Star City Open and Valakut are the two reasons that Coldblade has dominated for so long. It's, it's the most versatile deck, really, right now. I mean, it, it seems so... It seems fairly linear when you, when you like, hear about it and, and everything, but once you see it working, it's actually... It's got so many options and so many... Really, it's got a lot of ways to be. You don't necessarily need the sword. I've lost to Jace just by a really, really good player that was playing the deck really well, even though I'd already taken care of the stupid blade. So it's not It's not even that, that the deck is like... It doesn't only have one out. It's got multiple outs, and a, a good player playing Cobblade is a very hard player to beat. Will anyone have the balls to run mono black in standard because of Phyrexian Obliterator? Uh, yes. Um, I will say this, that I think it's much more of a defensive card than an aggressive card. And you could actually, I could actually view them running like maybe 
a 2-2 split of this and Persecutor. But then, you have, of course, you have to have a sack outlet for Persecutor. But um, Mono Black has gained a lot of strength with this set. Is it going to be to the point where it can, you know, reliably beat some of the more top-tier decks? I think that's really hard to say at this point. Um, but Phyrexian Obliterator is already being considered in Legacy for certain things like the Gate and other decks, so that's something to keep in mind about this card. Well, I was just going to say, I think it's a cool card. I mean, I saw people trying to play this in, in their sealed decks. I mean, people are excited about the card, and it's obviously very, very powerful, but I don't know. I mean, by the time you pay the four black, I mean, you can go for the throat this thing. I, I don't know. I, I guess that's what gets said about every awesome creature. Well, it dies to removal, so I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say it dies to less removal than most of the stuff in the format because, well, you don't want to burn this thing out. But right, correct. Mono Black has so many tools right now. What, out the, what Mono Black's traditional weakness has been is getting rid of artifacts and, uh, that damage it and that there's a ton of pro-black creatures out there. The only relevant thing that gives pro-black right now is Sword of Feast and Famine. Nobody is playing Mirren Crusaders, really, and if they do, you've got Black Sun Zenith. As for artifacts, apart from the swords in Batterskull, nobody cares, and you're playing Lash Rite, which is going to be better than Batterskull in this deck anyway. And there's also um, Life's Finale is another tool. I mean, that costs six, I think, but it's a Wrath Effect in black. So, I mean, th- there's some things. That is a pretty solid card. I just want to see that deck show up at a major event. It's you know. going to. All right. And hopefully do it, well. I think it builds itself. Four Inquisition, four Duress, four Despise, four Geth's Verdict, two Black Sun Zenith, two Life's Finale, four Obliterator, two Lash Rise, uh, maybe one Mind Sludge in there, and uh, maybe an Exsanguinate as well. And hmm. uh, you could even throw in, um, just for fun, that land that gives you a black for each black creature in your graveyard, just mm-hmm. to see if it's worth playing. Hmm. Have you thought much about this? little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, because I was... Uh, I, I, I just... I want to see something different. And I mean, I play, I've played way worse mono-black decks than that. I've played stupid mono-black vampires. I mean, I would love to play love to play a real, quote-unquote, mono-black. Well, before, before M10 rotated out, you know, I used to stop with, with vampires, but that was... seems like a long time ago now. They nerfed, they nerfed your lord, dude. Yeah, they cut the balls right off of it. There's another deck that's coming out. The tokens with the Beast Within and Fresh Meat and Karn. Really, Karn? <laughs> is that possible to work? What does this do? Green-white tokens deck. Uh-huh. Kind of Smitty, friend from the A-team. He originally he likes the token decks. Well, this one revolves around Fresh Meat. When they all die, you get to... You know, right, sure. Yeah. And then Karn is a finisher. And again, this was. I don't even know if you need Karn, but I do. I mean, I've already thought about a similar idea. I didn't really think of Karn as the finisher. I think the finisher is just stopping them in the face. But uh, yeah, sure. It sounds absolutely fabulous, and by that I mean I would really rather see see it actually in play before we make an opinion on it. Um, Fresh Meat and, I mean, Beast Within is a very, very powerful card. I don't think that can be denied. And, I mean, maybe if you got some proliferation, Karn will turn into something really sexy. But other than that, uh, uh, 
he's blowing a lot of things up though. That is kind of curious. But, well, I mean, I'm 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 just a little Timmy out here looking at my my big my big fat green monsters and stuff like Karn. Like, are people talking about pulling off Karn's ultimate as a as a win con of sorts, or are they just looking at him as vindicating a few things and maybe pitching some cards and whatnot? Because I mean, that seems just unworkable almost in a especially in like a tournament setting to restart the game. That, that seems really strange to me. Well, if you're restarting the game and you're putting anything worthwhile, it's going to end in two turns. Yeah, I guess that's true. No, if, if the, like I'll even use a junkie card for example. Let's say I exile a horde smelter dragon. Yeah, sure. Okay, I come out at my first turn. I hit you for five. True, okay, and true. I hit you for another five. Yeah, and the match is over. <laughs> well, I mean, people are talking about you know like putting Karn down, swallowing an Eldrazi out of their own hand, right, and then getting Karn up enough yeah. to restart the game. Eldrazi attacks on turn one, game over. Mm, yeah. okay. so, who, who knows? I mean, I, I don't personally see it working. I think there's too much stuff out there that can stop that deck, but we'll see. Well, I think it, fresh meat then becomes sort of your secondary win condition. I mean, I, I'm sort of, and, and I'm ruining all my material for Hold of Notions this week. But um, <laughs> I can, oh, we'll I can come see, up with something new. I can see a combo of Aldrazi Green and, and tokens here, where you're playing Awakening Zone, Nest Invader. Growth spasm. You bring in a whole bunch of Eldrazi spawn. You sack them for mana. You put something disgustingly large in play, uh, like a Terastodon, possibly, or an Eldrazi. And then you cast fresh meat, and you get a whole bunch of three threes on top of that. I just never feel good about playing an Awakening Zone. So I just I don't feel good about that at this point. Like to me, it just feels way too slow. Um, I, I guarantee you, if you put someone playing Awakening Zone against me, I, I'll probably kill them in three turns. I just don't, I don't see how that, how Awakening Zone, like, I, I don't understand how that, it just seems too slow. I mean, you don't even get anything to it from it until turn three at the earliest, turn four maybe. You know, just, it's just, uh, uh, I don't know. Even Smitty thought about trying to find a way to cut them before with his other token generating deck because it was so slow. So, I mean, I could be wrong. That's just the way I feel. Okay. Well, the last question we have before we go into a couple of bonus things we have here is uh, Brian Kilwer's article this week discussed that Praxian mana could end the pl- playability of Infect decks. Is that correct? Well, what was his reasoning behind it? Because I unfortunately have not gotten to read this. So before. what? I guess I guess the, I haven't read it. I guess the reasoning would be that the infect decks are not attacking your life total, so the opponent who is uh, against the infect deck has this uh, ability to play spells that are at a higher power level using their life as the payment resource, and so that gives them an edge over the infect player. Yes. Yes. Okay. I agree with that. I mean, that, that's probably true, but, I mean, oh, what spell uh, are they talking about? Like, this, what would be the powerhouse Phyrexian mana spell that, that is boning the impact player because uh, the, uh, the life total they're attacking is, is irrelevant? I mean, Dismember, I guess. I guess Dismember, yeah. But how does Dismember wish... How does that win you the game? Because it kills his yeah. creatures? Yeah, but it doesn't win the game. I mean, it kills his game. biggest dudes, but it doesn't win. Yeah, that's the thing. And I mean, an Infect deck, uh, using a Dismember on something like a Phyrexian Crusader seems to me like overkill. 
And also something else to consider is like Infect got a major boost with this set. They've got counter spells. They've got unblockable guys. I mean, they've got plenty of stuff to where if they just hit you once, they could just proliferate out, or they could cast you know like Fezzeret's Gambit and just uh, draw answers into their stuff. I mean, like it's much harder to play Infect probably by Brian Kibler's reasoning, but at the same time. It's very early in the season to be making those kind of judgments, I think. Then again, I'm not Brian Kibler. No. I'm just well, well, the other thing is, is do you metagame, do you meta, meta, like, plan your metagame based off of a deck that'll be really easy if you have these cards? Or do you plan around beating the hardest deck? I mean, I, I, I don't care whether or not I thought it would be easy to play to beat Poison with certain cards or not. If I didn't think those were the best cards... To, to beat the meta, then I wouldn't worry about it anyway. I just happened to stumble into a list of the top cards that are being played in the new Phyrexia standard decks, the top ten cards. And I found some of the cards kind of kind of unusual for what I wasn't expecting. The number one card on the list is Lightning Bolt. Number two, Preordain, not surprising. Mana Leak, Tumble Magnet, Stoneforge Mystic, and Gwizna Kozilek. Go for the Throat, Squadron Hawks. Now here come the two I was not expecting. Everflowing Chalice and Memnite. Why, why not? I wasn't expecting Memnite. I guess he's uh, in I the love quest. Memnite, man. He's in the mono white quest deck, I guess. I don't know. There's no no, there's actually um a lot of the pseudo affinity type decks are using them. There's mono white quest and which got a lot stronger due to pure steel paladin. Uh Cold Author Red is still a deck. I mean, there's plenty of decks out there that are still using this card. Hulkwood. He's in Hulkwood as well. Yep. Right. I, yeah, exactly. I, I can't remember the name of it. It's not Furnace Scamp. It's the other one drop red rare uh, from New Phyrexia that has power and toughness equal to artifacts oh. in your graveyard. Yeah. Yep. Deck. I'm, all I'm saying is there's a deck with Spell Bombs, Ica Wellsprings, Microsynth Wellsprings, uh, Piston Sledge. There's a deck there. I agree. And, uh, I mean, Everflow and Chalice, that doesn't surprise me at all, honestly. In the top ten, though, when's when's the last time we've seen an Everflow and Chalice even in a top 16 list? Uh, well, I mean, I don't really follow the top tier list that much, but I mean, I see one every time I go to F&M. So you have to look at it like that, Robert. It's not just the top list. It's That card's going to be played all over the country, like F&M and r- regular just events that are going on, too. Mm-hmm. That's probably how they were doing this pool of data. <laughs> yeah, what's one of the biggest decks? What's top laid down the easiest what, what deck just has a really a pretty decent decent game against Coblet uh, Mono Green Eldrazi right and they have yeah. a tendency to run Chalices all the time so weird to see Memnite never flowing Chalice I wasn't surprised with the rest of them I was kind of surprised that Lightning Bolt was number one though yeah that is a surprise well but I mean I guess what would you what would you think would be the place of Chalice and, uh, and Memnite, just out of curiosity? I mean, I, I see those things played all the time, so I'm not sure what you think would be in there and, you know, what your argument is for it. surprised that Jace the Mind Sculptor's not in the top ten. Yep, I'm Primeval Titan. Is it just commons and uncommons? What was the list again? Like, they should be in there. Hot 100 standard cards is calculated from all decks entered from the new Phyrexia legal standard format. Okay, then Jace should be in there. Someone screwed that list up. Well, it wasn't. I don't know. And it, li- it listed like a hundred cards, and I just cut out the top ten because once I got, I was going to originally take the top five, but I'm like, well, those aren't shocking. But when I saw uh, Everflowing Chalice and Memnite, it kind of like Memnite, huh? Uh, 
What about availability, though, guys? you got to think about it like that, too. I mean, that's, that's, I'm grasping at straws here. I'll admit to that. But you could argue that it's, it's availability. I mean, there are four other colors other than blue. Um, in some metagames, there has been a subtle shift towards a non-control meta because people can't afford Jace. Uh, you know, just keep your mind open on stuff like that. We have thing down here next. Is this you, Jack? Oh, uh, this uh, re- event we're going to be having? Yes. I, I did oh, not I, add I added one. that stuff. Well, there's an Oh, up- no, I, is that what you were asking? I, did, I yeah. couldn't quite make out what you said. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, David, who's also uh, on Twitter as Y underscore V-O-D-A, is actually preparing a tournament for MTG. Well, it's, it's more than just a tournament, but it's an actual like get-together for MTG cast, podcasters, and listeners, um, where I'm going to be one of the headlining hosts, and also it sounds like there's... I, mean, well, I, I won't spoil. There, there could be a couple other really solid hosts that are going to be joining me. Um, and there's I don't know if there's any actual other guarantees than me at this point, but uh, so what's going to end up happening is he's got this venue for the and he's getting like people like all information and everything to go down there and play. And there's going to be a two-hour, uh, two-hour meet and greet uh, where we just meet all the, the listeners and BS and everything. And and then uh, we'll be playing magic, I guess, for you know I don't know how long exactly. Like the hours are on on your on your list there. Um, it just sounds really cool, man, and, and I know that, you know, Tom was hyped about the fact that someone's putting this together, and uh, it's it's just really cool that someone from the community wanted to be a part of the community, even though he doesn't do his own show. He wanted to get together with the voices that he knows and meet these people and, you know, just have a big MTG cast gathering. Well, it definitely sounds like fun. It's just too bad it's not being sponsored. Yeah, <laughs> Well, we'll put the, the information for it in the show notes. It's going to be June 4th in Seattle. And so, like, you know, of course, my, my co-hosts are slackers and won't be able to make it, but... What can Dude, it's in, C- it's in Seattle. I'm a poor <laughs> college student. What do you want me to do? Hold on. I've got this giant tier building up here for you. Just one second. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah. I, I hope it is. Just let, let it loose. Your tears are delicious, too. <laughs> but, no, well... There, there's a. I didn't quite drive the 23 hours. Rough. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had to drive I, over I, a mountain, dude. I mean, seriously, <laughs> a mountain. <laughs> but uh, I, I would absolutely love to make it, especially since I've been podcasting with some of the people on this network for three, two, three years now, something like that. And I've like I've physically seen only a few of the guys off the network. But uh, you know, maybe next time. That's that's all I can say. I'd love to join, but I just can't right now. There are plans for for more in the future too, if this one's successful. So if you can't make it now, hopefully in the future you will be able to. I'd like to suggest Toronto as a venue. Yes, let's go okay. even farther. Uh, <laughs> I've always noticed uh, there's just too many Canadians in Toronto. There are very few Canadians in Toronto. I'm going to step up for the Canadians here, and I will say that Canadian women are exceptionally fine, so I'm absolutely okay with it being in Toronto. 
Yeah, like Celine Dion, right? Oh. No, she's, she's oh. not a horror woman. She well, may be something. She's more, she's more into Brian Adams, man. <laughs> Put a big shout-out for a fellow uh, Toronto person whose wife is quite fetching, but probably ready to pop any time right now, and that's Mr. Scotty Mack's wife. And I met her when I went up to Toronto, and she's quite easy on the eyes, to say the least. I would just like to point out that as a community known for its corpulent, neck-bearded Cro-Magnons of players <laughs> in of men, we have... We talked about Joe, uh, Big Head Joe, but he because he shaved. Uh, we're talking about the unfortunately stricken with diabetes, Conley Woods. How's those Lakers doing, Conley? Just by the way. <laughs> um, but well, I mean, the, clearly all they do is win, you know. <laughs> for, the, for the type of men that we have in the Magic community, we have some incredibly attractive women involved in the Magic Online community. That's because they don't have to see us there. It's not like we're putting our profile up there as we're playing NTGO Online. Hi, my name's Jack. I like uh, pre-1800s poetry, good whiskey, and long walks on the beach. And if you'd like to read my blog or possibly see nude photos of me, by all means, check out The Bitter Better Man. You were going so well until you told them to check out your blog, which is full of half-naked women. <laughs> no, 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 I, I have been to Jack's blog after he, he uh, mentioned it on, on MTG Cast and no, Monday no, Night and stuff. No, I love no, it. I, love it. I, I support the naked chicks. <laughs> oh, see, now, wait a minute. It, it's not, they're not half-naked women. It's art, okay? It is clearly artistically rendered photos. And yes, I totally use half-naked women to pull, them, pull people in and sucker them into reading my writing. But I mean, what man wouldn't do that to get people to read his hard sought over and sweated research which is exactly what I'm going to put up tomorrow on Friday and it will totally explain my random trip to Indiana this weekend <laughs> I think most most uh, men would not use half naked women that's the key Jack yeah yeah. actually I have gotten a complaint somebody asked me why they've been so tame what's the something. deal man this is the internet it's supposed to be yeah. uh, spread evil <laughs> speak oh, with the and, pink uh, dude and then what was funny is, unknowingly, for about three days there, I put up Asians, and I got a complaint about that. And I'm like, what do you want me to do here? I'm one guy. I'm one guy. Everybody. I put up fat chicks. And yeah, I mean, I put up fat chicks, and everybody right. complains. I put up skinny women, and everybody complains. What do you guys want from me? Hey, I want to say one thing real quick. Off topic, but it's a topic of my heart. No, but anyway, Jack, since you said you love horror movies, you need to check out DeadLander.com. I, I didn't, Jeff, it's cool that he's on here. And I wanted to also be able to promote that site one more time because I've been listening to that show for years. Uh, my my other co-host, T-Rack, that's from the Gossip Geek podcast, and I uh, reviewed the first movie that they put out on one of our episodes. And these guys are really awesome, and they've, they've had a great show for a long time. It's just a bunch of guys. They know they know a lot about movies, but they also kick back and have fun, and, and uh, it's just a really good time. So definitely check out DeadLantern.com. They do a lot of shit, so it's worth it. Well, thank you I'm very much for the will. thank you much for the for the kind words, Tangent. And I I listen I mostly listen to at this point in my life I mostly listen to MTG podcasts. I mean, you guys and, and other ones. I I get so much entertainment from it at work, sitting there at the office, bored out of my mind. But here I got this thing to sort of think about. It's actually more mentally stimulating than than the work I actually do on a day to day basis. So uh, <laughs> and I think pod, you should, I think podcasting should, is great. So I, you I, should I, feel I, free I, to uh, to list all the casts that you listen to, Jeff. You know, because we could all use the pat on the back. 
Well, I love. <laughs> I haven't listened to Horde of Notions, but I will check that out for sure. Monday Night oh. Magic was is the one that I got in on, and and I I love that one. I listened to Mana Screwed, of course, because I had the the acquaintance with with Tangent. I love limited resources a lot. That's that's sort of maybe my favorite one. Even though I don't. What's funny is I. I love limited magic, but I don't have a shop to go draft at regularly. I just love listening to those guys talk about it. I don't know. Something about it is interesting to me. And then I, I also yeah. like uh, Yo MTG Taps. And I, I must say, that's got to be, no offense to anyone else, but that's got to be one of the best podcast names. That's so clever. I, I love it. I definitely emailed them and got their free stickers. Well, this weekend, the two of them will be down at Star City Games Orlando doing the live coverage. So if you want to check them out on SCG Live this weekend... Big Head Joe and Joey Pasco will be there for your entertainment. That was a good plug. Man, I should be getting uh, to answer that one. Holy cow. But you uh, you did miss a question at the bottom of the uh, of the show notes there, there uh, Mr. Roberto. Keeping an eye on the Red Wing Sharks game because my next podcast doesn't start until the Red Wing Sharks game is over with. Well, so I'm not really Red- looking. So if somebody wants to read that question for me, that'd be great. I certainly shall. Okay. MT- MTG Cast should sponsor a calendar with a man and woman of magic for each month. Discuss. <laughs> wait, 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 I'm, wait, I'm, wait I'm a for that. Hold I would, on. Let me read the show notes for that calendar. Somebody discuss. Who are we going to put up? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I will give this much consideration. <clears throat> Tangent? <laughs> I guess we can put him up. Uh, you know, wait, wait, wait. You know what? Actually, I will do this on the notion that I at least get some of the revenue from it, because those college loans ain't going to pay themselves, baby. <laughs> so you don't think this is a possibility? I think this is a great idea. I mean, like, one of my, one of my favorite stupid little things that Wizard used to do is when you got, you'd open your pack and you'd get your stupid little trading card of some douchebag on the Pro Tour, right? Now that I do. Yeah, I love those things, and I, I would, I'd be interested in a calendar with some of these guys on it, yeah. I think, I think since Rashad makes the tokens work, we should come up with MTG cast tokens. Yeah, that would be see, dope. See, that would be cool. See, that way you can promote the show and then do caricatures of us. That would be awesome. It's, it'd, be, it'd be like your business cards when you guys are at events and stuff and you hand them out and then, oh, shit, it's a token I can use. That's sweet. <laughs> we have currently in the NTG cast network exactly two women. Well, I guess they'll just have to be six months each. One is having a baby and the other one Jack knows about. All right, guys, so uh, any last words, any shout-outs, anything real quick here before we go? Uh, yeah, sure, I've got, I, I think I've got okay. something before we end real quick. Um, and with this cast almost out, to our friends and listeners, here's a shout. To KYT, Smitty, and those other Canucks, our cast is free, but listening to yours is like hearing a million bucks. To Horde of Notions and Monday Night Magic, without y'all, our listenership would be quite tragic. And to our haters wanting our mics dead, you think you're in luck? BS, bro. Next week, we're going to keep on trucking like we don't give up. Well, let's just end the show. Yeah. There we go. Wow. Gee, I can <laughs> That's what's up. I have nothing to add. That, that's that. clearly what's up. I just want to give uh, three quick shout-outs, one to Adina, one to Jack, and one to Noyan for the Horde of Notions posse, and uh, a shout-out to the beautiful city of Vancouver and its $3,355 purses. That's that's above our price range, I manuscript. Sponsors, so bad. Because <laughs> Robert, we bought oh. hard budget, baby. Oh man, no. Projecto, any final? No, uh, everybody enjoy your listening to this podcast. And oh, I did a great interview with the Chewy this week. Uh, hopefully, it's the correctly edited one that doesn't sound like a UFO is playing in the background. 
So that should be up. That should be up and available to you to listen. So he, again, a lot of fun. He's definitely a man of many words and lots of fun things to say. So on that note, for everyone for listening to Manscrewed. Hey, wait a minute now. Let me get my shout out. Damn it, please. All right, real quick. So I'll just say shouts to, to my man, Manscrewed Posse here, and thanks, Chris, for joining once again. Shout out to the Horde of Notions crew because we love you guys. And all the rest of the MTG cast family that we always give our shouts to. We love you all. And uh, I want to thank Jeff a ton and the Dead Lantern crew because they are awesome. And go check out their shit. So on that note, everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>